right, all right, all right. We're back, uh, Veterans Assembly Hall. Uh, Lloyd, I have to tell you, last month Tom was uh, inquiring on who was ripping the guitar. I thought it was probably you on that intro. What do you think? <laughs> uh, maybe you know, maybe I'll start working on a, a new theme song for us. Uh, you know, I, I do have. I am working on a CD really? project. Uh, that, well, I, I figure by it might be ready by uh, twenty thirty at the rate I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, uh, if you need a drummer, uh, Tom will jump in on the on the drums for him too. Didn't you say you play the drums, Tom? I, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I do. Yeah, we're putting the band back together. Twenty thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> well, I figure by twenty thirty, I got a time to take a few lessons myself. I might get in on this too. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what's that? By then, so. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, well, okay, so we're here. Uh, we got all three of us on this month. This is a really uh, big treat. Um, <laughs> uh, Lloyd, you're working from the bunker up north, I'm guessing, right? I've gone into the deep, 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 deep bunker now. <laughs> That's good. And uh, Tom, Tom, you've established a bunker over there on your side, right? I have. That's right. <laughs> all right. So I'm um, trying to hide from the family right now. You say that again? trying to hide from the family with this lockdown yeah <laughs> the, the house is getting kind of small i know the feeling <laughs> it's, um, so we're recording this and um right now as it stands this uh, uh corona or cv19 virus is uh, all anybody can talk about we're kind of um voluntarily confining ourselves to the to the uh, to houses, um, and there's uh, some rumors around. And maybe by the time this publishes, that the world will have changed again. But there's some rumors around that uh, they want to uh, mobilize the the guard and reserves to come out for I don't know what purpose to uh, kind of um, provide security or whatever. Lloyd, uh, I'm not calling you out, but I know you and I had a little exchange online earlier. Um, you're in favor of that, if I understand that correctly, right? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, the unfortunate thing is there's a lot of people not taking this serious. And, you know, if we want to do the, the two week flatten the curve, as, as people are calling it, I mean, you just look no further than spring breakdown in Florida and you've got thousands of kids down there running around, you know, like, like nothing's going on. So uh, there's an unfortunate, uh, number of individuals in our society that they're just not taking this serious. So. You know, I, I'm certainly not advocating for martial law. Yeah, neither I, am I. I don't ever want to see that in my lifetime. Agreed. Uh, but, you know, so, something's got to be done to get people off the streets. Well, here's my thing as it pertains to the Guard and Reserve. I'm all for, uh, you know, the, the Guard in particular has a statewide mission. They have to. They have to have both a federal and a state mission. That's one of the most significant differences between uh, reserve duty and guard duty. And I, I'm all for making use of those, the governor making use of his resources, because when they're not Title Ten, they are the governor's resources. And for the purposes of, uh, you know, augmenting the medical staff and, um, you know, free labor, not free labor, but, um, you know, labor that you can put in good use. I'm all for that. For having Jeeps patrolling the streets and all that, I, I'm having a really tough time with that, to be honest with you. Tom, what do you think? Yeah, well, I'm glad you said that because I didn't want to be the only one that was that was uh, thinking that. It, you know, so 
the spring break people, I, I'm thinking if I was a 20 some year old kid, you think you're invincible. You've just spent the, you know, you know, a month of your, of your paycheck to make all these plans. So you don't want to throw it away. Mm-hmm. And then you hear everyone else is, is thinking the same as you. So, you know, it's, it's hard for us, you know, being, you know, the age that we are and, uh, and then, you know, thinking about how it was when we were in our twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but like you said, you know, they're all down there, they're flying on airplanes, things like that. Um, and then they're going to come back to wherever in the in the country they're from. And, and, uh, you know, it's probably going to start popping up more and more, you know, as, as a result. Right. Um, but like you said, you know, like we're talking about just before we went on the air here, you know, we, some of us had to go to work and do things. And, and uh, some of these small businesses are still trying to do what they can, even if it's to take out food or, or something like that. So, um, you know, some of these businesses are on the verge of going under if we don't let people do what they can to just, you know, run down to the supermarket or run down to the drugstore to get some you know, bread and milk or go and pick up a pizza because you're sick and tired of having, you know, the, the spaghetti that you got at the house or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, there, there needs to be some amount of, of freedom of mobility, but, um, you know, I think, I think most people are, are obeying the idea of, you know, what, 25 people maximum uh, together or things like that. Um, and most of those rules, I think, are just so people can sort of, you know, go to church or have little business meetings or, or what have you. Right. Um, but, uh, so it, it's a tough, it's, it's tough. And we all, you know, America, we're all about our liberties and, and freedoms and things like that. So it's, it's, you know, it's tough to how to figure out how to do this. You know, we've, we've never seen this before. really. That's true. And I think you hit some good points there, Tom, that I've been uh, hammering uh, this whole past week. I, I know of at least, <clears throat> at least five, maybe uh, up to about 10 of my friends that have uh, lost their job, been furloughed or uh, somehow released. And for a good part of them, I'm not certain there's going to be a job to go back to at the other end. And the longer this goes on, the more likely that small businesses and such are just going to kind of um, fade away to a certain extent. And I think that's there's a balance there. And I'm trying to find it. I, I'm trying to understand both sides, you know. Yeah, I think in terms of helping the small businesses, like you said, if, if there were a way to sort of put a, put a pause on, on mortgages and, and loans and things like that, but you know, it all flows back up, you know, everybody wants to get their paycheck. And so, you know, it's, you, you can't just, there is an easy way to put a pause on all these things. You know, they're talking about stimulus and stuff like that in, in Congress now. Um, and I think that's, that's a step in the right direction. I don't know the details, but, um, you got to help these people, you know, make ends meet while they're, you know, laid off unexpectedly and, and through none of their own ill will, you know, not, they, they didn't do anything wrong. Their companies didn't do anything wrong. Really. Agreed. Lloyd, you're at the base. Um, what do you what are you seeing as far as are they telling everybody in the, at the base to just stay away, or is there a certain component that's still working there? There's still people working there. There's uh, certain mission essential folks who have to be there. Yeah. Uh, but for those of us that can do at least most of our jobs from uh, teleworking, yeah, we're we're pretty much um, working from home right now. Um, you know, there may be opportunities or, or days I have to go in because we, we have to go in back in the vault or something. Right. But uh, uh, for the most part, um, they're, they're really taking things serious. 
Let me ask you this. Do you think this is going to be an awakening of sorts uh, towards technology? I mean, uh, I'm guessing that all three of us have had the occasion to participate in, you know, regular conference calls and make use of VTC and all that. But for a large portion of people, I don't think they've been previously exposed to it. Do you think this is going to be a kind of a catalyst for a, sh- a shift in the workspace or the, the way we conduct ourselves going forward? I, I think it. a lot of it has to do generationally. Um, there's a lot of folks in, uh, you know, boomers, uh, some of the Gen Xers um, think that, you know, they're, they're somewhat anti-telework because they think people are just going to go home and screw off. Right. While uh, a lot of millennials um, are all in for teleworking. And um, I, frankly, I, I think I'm all in on it for the most part. I, I couldn't do it full time, but a couple of days a week, um, you know, would help out in terms of taking my car off the road and, you know, pumping less uh, pollution into the environment and, you know, easing up on the traffic. And uh, sometimes I'm more productive at home uh, when I have to take, you know, training and stuff like that. So I, I, I think that's one way that this situation could shift the, the, the work environment uh, for a lot of Americans. Um, the other thing that I think that, it's, this is really doing to us is there's a lot of soul searching going on about everything that was shipped over to China uh, to, uh, you know, for production. Good point. Everything from vital drugs to, uh, you know, uh, car parts and a lot of things that, you know, 20, 30 years ago, the businesses shifted their stuff over there to save money. Um, now we're starting to see that, you um, this was a really bad idea. And I understand that Congress is already looking at a bill uh, to pump money back into the uh, pharmaceutical industry to bring production of vital drugs back here to America. So uh, certainly from a national security standpoint, which all of us veterans, uh, you know, have a vested interest in, certainly um, this will certainly change the, the way we go forward. Yeah, I agree. Tom, is your has your company previously been more technologically uh, inclined to do this type of stuff, or are you finding that uh, people are trying to figure out how to load Zoom on their desktop for the first time? <laughs> so, so you know, working for a big company like I do, um, they have shifted probably probably more so in the past five years towards being a little more permissive in in telecommuting and things like that. Um, I'll be. I'll go so far as to say. I guess about two years ago, they they really pushed it, and I, maybe there was a generational thing. Maybe it was just um, the company trying to save some money or something like that. You know, with the office spaces and things like that. But um, you know, being being a large company that was spread around the country, let alone the world, um, you know, telecommuting is is a good idea. But uh, again, some of our jobs require us to actually be there, whether it's the for, for working on classified information right. or if you have a job where you're, you know, some, some, some jobs, you know, when you're, um, you know, have a service industry, whether you're making pizzas or, or, or widgets or whatever, Agreed. you can't do that from your house. You know, you need, you need to go in. So, um, so I think, I think this is going to wake up some companies um, to as much as they can be, but some companies just, they can't, they, you know, they're not, it's just not that kind of structure for their business yeah and one of the topics i think you and i talk, tom talked about on the last uh podcast was about um 
veterans employment versus unemployment and transitioning out of the military. I, I know there's been a lot of discussion about that. I think these types of situations, if those companies are moving towards this type of technology, a lot of uh, veterans, I would say from all four services now, are being pretty well indoctrinated to it. So when they come back into the civilian workforce, this isn't uh, something new for them. In fact, this is just kind of the way they've conducted themselves up to this point. Are you seeing that? It's interesting you say that because I, I, that's something I hadn't thought about. I, I'm actually working with a guy, uh, a guy on my first ship um, was, he was actually my boss. My first ship was getting out of the Navy now and I'm helping him to find a job. Yep. And I hadn't even thought about that because again, maybe it's, you know, my outdated history of being on the Navy ships, you know, we barely had email, let alone anything else. Um, so I don't know, you know, I don't know how uh, familiar some of the service branches are with the idea of telecommuting because, you know, we, you don't really think about any of the branches really you know, doing anything. They all have a mission. You know, they go with their four deploy, things like that. Um, so I, I, that's a good question. I, I, I'd be interested to see how much the uh, services are training people if they transition out to be ready for this uh, digital world and, and telecommuting and, and uh, face, you know, Skype messages and all that kind of stuff. Right, right. Well, I mean, I'm only looking at it through the lens of the Air Force, but I know, and um, Lloyd, you can back me up on this. I'd like, you know, Red Flag, you, you talk about making pizzas, Tom. Red Flag was a flying exercise. You needed to be in the in theory, you needed to be in the cockpit or in your functional role and be present. And now they're doing a thing called virtual flag where they tie everybody in from the simulators and folks don't even have to deploy. I mean, um, you know, that's that kind of technology where people are getting that's almost a that's almost a telecommuting type of a situation. Did you see that, Lloyd, as well? Um, yeah, in, in a sense for training exercises. But, you know, I, I, I guess I'm kind of old school on the military thing that you know, they need to be in the office working, doing the, um, you know, the, the telecommuting's fine for civilians, but I, I don't know, maybe it's just the old school in me, but I, it's the old sack train killer in me maybe, but I, I, I just can't imagine folks working from home, even, you know, I don't want my personnel folks or my finance working from home while the flight line maintainers and the cops and everyone else are, are there on the base. Uh, That's you, a you really know, good times so yeah yeah that's a good point and it it's about impressions that you leave you know um tom on the ship you would see that too right i mean that would be obviously when you're out on cruise you can't be doing telecommuting but um you, you know people on a ship everybody can see what everybody else is doing and if you got somebody that's just laying in the rack all day long that becomes pretty obvious too yeah and, and you know you got me thinking at first i was thinking you know you can't you can't maintain those humvees and those aircraft from your house you got to go into the office to do that. Yep. Um, on the ship, well, we had, um, we had, we, we, well, I won't use the terms that we use, but we had the engineers who worked on the, the machinery spaces of the ship. Mm-hmm. And then the, uh, their operational folks who worked on the radars and the, and the guns and things like that on the ships and missiles and stuff. And typically those systems, you know, for whatever reason, they're more electronic in nature, whatever, the more reliable, they, the topside equipment, um, didn't require as much maintenance, didn't require as much cleaning, things like that. So those guys would, you know, end of the end of the workday for them would be, you know, four or five o'clock or whatever. Yeah. But the guys who are working on the machinery spaces, there's always something leaking hydraulic fuel, you know, fluid and stuff like that. So those guys are working much longer hours. Um, so part of it, you know, is the, the job that you have may require you to work, you know, a tougher job, longer hours. Um, 
and and that's you know that's going to be true in a, you know in, in a lot of industries the civilian world has too true enough um, but again if there's something if there's something big going on then ever you know all hands on deck and everything mm-hmm. chips in to, to get you know get stuff going get ready for an inspection what have you um but uh you know it, it it'll be interesting to see how companies adapt to that and, and how how people will choose their careers going forward if they uh are considering that sort of thing. Yeah, agreed. Any final attacks or other thoughts, uh, Lloyd? You got anything else you want to add on that? No, I'm 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 good on that one. I think we can probably move on. All right, and Tom, any reattacks? I know you just had your final say, nope. but all right, great. Um, so, <laughs> I I, w- I want to get to the uh, second uh, bullet on the scrub sheet, but before because <laughs> I know actually the first two bullets are almost embarrassed to bring them up, but we're gonna get there. Um, but before we go to that second bullet on the scrub sheet, I sent you guys the uh, the VFW uh, news for the month um, from Massachusetts. They send out a it's not a month, I think it's a quarter. They send out like a, basically a newspaper. And one of the things they did doing, um, it's kind of ties on the back end of our last discussion, was they're doing a monthly Zoom call. Uh, for It's open to all women uh, in the VFW, which I think is a great idea. I know that's always, particularly in legions and VFW posts, I've been on the board of both, um, bringing uh, – there are – the number of women veterans uh, sometimes is, uh, I don't know what the actual number is. I'm thinking in comparison to male veterans, it's, it's lower in just in general, but to bring them in into the, uh, those organizations and participate is always very difficult and they always seem to be poorly represented. So, um, so they're going to do a guest speaker and just kind of a round table and what the issues are important to them. I think that's a great idea. If anybody's interested, we put it on our veterans assembly hall podcast, Facebook page. You can find the numbers. Um, if you want to call in and participate, um, but, uh, Anyway, so that, that's just the kind of what the technology we're talking about, commuting from home and different ideas to use technology. The kind of a follow-on to that is there was a bullet that ran by earlier in the month. Um, the Air Force has decided to change our service song to more gender-neutral lyrics. Um, I'm laughing because I'm really not embracing it. I'm not. It's nothing to do with the uh, with feminism or the, that I thought that the the Air Force song was too gender specific. Um, but apparently, what happened was they a bunch of Air Force uh, Academy cadets, female Academy cadets, raised it to uh, a general that was there, and the line that they took issue was it was to to a friend we send the message of his brother men who fly. And um, and that's since been changed. Uh, Lloyd, any thoughts on that? So, Mike, I'm going to full disclosure. You know, I've been a, a like you, a member of the Air Force in one capacity or the other for 37 years, and um, I didn't know there was a second and third verse. Of the <laughs> I did. I did. I, I'm with you on that, man. I don't think we ever got that far. <laughs> no. So. Uh, you know, I I, um, I I don't know if that's the long, uh, the Inagata Davida version of, um, <laughs> of I, I, you know, I I don't have any thought. I, uh, are we I mean, getting too micro about it though? I mean, I, I've been to a million Air Force retirements. I've been to you know thousands of events, and we never get past the first vest. So verse. So who cares? I change it i it doesn't bother me <laughs> well it doesn't bother me i just think it's kind of we're getting down in the weeds on this some of this stuff you know uh i mean you know I, we got I, you know i i i don't know mike I, right, i'll I, let you off the hook <laughs> Yeah, you gotta let me know. <laughs> we can. I can feel you squirming there, man. <laughs> to, 
Tom, do you I know, yeah, I get it. No, don't, don't, you're off the hook. Tom, do you see any, foresee any changes to anchors away? Not to put you on the spot, but uh, is, is that so? So, I, I, you know, while we were talking about this, I, I looked it up real quick to double check the, the lyrics as I remember them. And the, there's a line in there that, again, as I found out, there's several verses. We only ever seen one of the verses, which happens to be verse two for whatever reason. But um, through our last night ashore, drink to the foam. I'm pretty sure that that one's going to get changed. <laughs> but uh, but sailors be sailors, so I don't know. Yeah, and that's isn't, isn't, isn't there a line like "anchors away, my boys"? My boys, isn't that the first line? Oh uh, yeah, there is. That that is true. Yeah, yeah. And, so it's going to have to be changed to "anchors away, my boys, my girls, my LGBTQI." <laughs> Where, where does it end? I don't know. I just, uh, yeah. So, all right. I think I kind of made everybody as uncomfortable as I wanted to on that one. <laughs> we'll go back to the first one, which first. Pers- lose any, any listeners. Yeah, well, we, I, I, no more than we we lose every time we record. So, <laughs> um, it was actually, I, I don't, as Lloyd said, I really don't have any, uh, I don't have any a skin in the game. It is what it is. If you want to change it, that's fine with me. Um, the one that bothered me was the very first one. I'm really fired up about this, that first bullet. So apparently um, the Air Force has now approved. <laughs> and, and Lloyd, this is right, you know, you were over there in Okinawa, Kadena area. Uh, maintainers out on yeah. the on the flight line can now wear shorts, um, but yeah. they can only wear them in the dining hall and then on the flight line, and they need to uh, find a pair of pants to go home. Um I don't know. Well, you want to grab this one? Because I'm really not big, big a fan of that, but whatever. So if you go back in Air Force history, um, you know, back in the days when they had the uh, pith helmets and the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the khaki type uniforms, they, they had shorts for part of the uniform. Really? And it wasn't just for flight line maintainers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, my, my dad was in. Um, they um, they had shorts. And uh, I think I remember him having that pith helmet and, so uh, there's there's been uh, times in, in our history where we we have had shorts. Uh, I think they look like mailman shorts or something. If you can uh, yeah. picture that, Ed. But here's the deal. Look, I, I mean the, those flight lines, um, and you've been on them many times, Mike. Especially at Kadena, um, they get hot as hell out there. And yeah. um, as my son described Charleston when he was stationed there, it was Africa hot out there on the fly line. Yep. Um, and you could just see the, the steam rising off the pavement and, uh, you know, the, the, the surprisingly no one ever broke red because the last thing they wanted was that their face planted on the right. tarmac and, you know, have a, have a third degree burns on their face. So, um, yeah, it, it's, um, it's, it doesn't bother me. I mean, uh, you know, when I was stationed over there, the, the cops that worked out on the uh, on the, the flight line were authorized uh, ball caps yep. rather than berets uh, because those little berets obviously get uh, hot as hell. And I remember my commander asking me why I wasn't wearing my ball cap, and I said uh, I didn't think we had a softball game today, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, uh, 
I mean, I get I get the practical reason of it. I know how hot it is in there. I mean, even the guys that are climbing up inside the aircraft, that thing is just, you know, it's getting scorched from the outside. And I'll tell you, it's about 20 or 30 degrees hotter inside with no relief. I I understand that. I got the practicality of it. It just um, I guess it loses a few points with appearance for me. But uh, Tom, do you guys are we just catching up to the Navy on this or do you guys have have a bunch, a whole ton of uniform variations? Well, so one reason I joined the Navy is because we have air conditioning on the ship. <laughs> but, um, the, the truth be told, you know, when we were out, uh, you know, it, the hottest place I went was the Persian Gulf. And when we would be in, in the Persian Gulf, um, we would allow the uniform, even on the bridge, to be relaxed. Um, and by relaxed, it would typically mean um, T-shirts only. Uh, uh, so you basically don't wear your khaki shirt or, or your, your dungaree shirt or whatever at the time, you know. Right. And this is, um, we had not, when I was, when I was serving, they had not shifted over to coveralls and now they're basically gone to like these BDU kind of things. But bottom line is, is the, the captains would relax it on the ship. But, um, again, on the ship, you're, there's nobody watching you, you know, you're out there in the middle of the you know, middle of somewhere, you know, some water body mm-hmm. and there's nobody looking at you, you know, like they might be on a, on an air force base or something like that. Certainly not, um, you know, civilian coming along, uh, for any reason. So, um, you know, so we had a little more liberties in that regard. And I mentioned the engine spaces, you know, engine rooms get, uh, you know, they get in excess of 100 degrees um, fairly quickly when you go to hot climates. And the uh, the engineers would, you know, they they you know relax their uniform in various ways, even when they're wearing like coveralls. They kind of they'd uh, you know unzip them and time around their waist, sort of thing. Yep. Um, and, and of course, you know, you do get into safety issues and things like that. You know, I I, I think about the old videos uh, we had in the Navy of forest all fire. And right. uh, all kinds of, you know, issues that, that resulted as a result of those guys not being properly dressed. Mm-hmm. But, again, there's a war, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Um, who's really going to be busting the, their, their chops for, you know, or, you know not wearing the right uniform when they're you know, trying to launch and recover aircraft and fight a war? So. I get that. And, uh, like I said, I understand the practicality of it. Um, for me, the appearance just doesn't cut it, but... Uh, the, uh, the BDU thing is a big deal now. And even, they're even going to a BDU style, uh, flight suit where you, you'd have the ability to take the upper part off during, in the hotter environments. And then when you fly, you'd have to obviously put it back on. But, um, you know, if it's, I guess if they were having an issue and, and you'd know better than I do, Lloyd, uh, what Kadena and uh, in that area is like, uh, but I've been, on, you know, been on a few islands down in that area and I'm, I'm pretty sure I got a, a good idea what the humidity level is and, um, you know, hey, safety first, you know, that's all. Uh, the next topic uh, that we had on here, and this one kind of really uh, ticked me off a little bit. So there was a, um, a CBS special. It's a, it's a local um, news coverage. I'm not sure what state it actually occurred in. But apparently uh, the VA has a uh, veterans crisis line. And um, if you call it, uh, they're supposed to redirect you uh, kind of like a nine one one type of thing. If you call it and you're in and you're in a bad way, they're supposed to be able to redirect it to your home state and dispatch assistance for you. In this particular case, um, what they found was that their the uh, VA was using an outdated uh, website or whatever their their information is that they link to it their database, and um, they were actually dispatching nine one one assistance to some cases the wrong state entirely but very often the wrong address i mean um i guess the, i come at it this way if you're going to advertise that service at least make sure it's tight you know 
Well, are you surprised by the VA ineptitude? No, but it's that's getting to be a pattern. That's where I brought. That's why I flagged this thing to bring it up. I mean, holy smokes! You know, you, these aren't folks that are just calling for their appointment. These these are people that are calling to say, "Hey, I'm on, I'm really in a bad way, and I need help." Mm-hmm. And instead, you send it to Minnesota, and I'm in Massachusetts. You know, right, right, yeah. Which ties in with which ties in with another bullet you have on here about the number of veterans that have committed suicide. You know, exactly. these guys are calling, they're, they're at their wit's end, and, and they're not getting the help they need when they're trying to get help. It's, it's a shame. It, it's disturbing, and, and Lloyd's right. It, it's, it's a trend with the VA. It seems like uh, you have to be really careful uh, when you're dealing with them. Uh, to the lo- it varies so much on the level of service. The bullet that Tom's talking about is the one that was on the bottom of the scrub sheet. Since 2008, more than 60,000 uh, U.S. veterans have taken their own life. That's actually numerically more than the number of people we lost in Vietnam. That's a, a staggering, staggering statistic, you know. Yeah. What can you say? I, I, yeah. I just feel for, I feel for the guys and, and you, you know, you, we all know we would help someone if we knew they needed help. And, and it's just, you know, the, the, we've talked about it before, the pride that we all have, you know, that caused us to serve also makes us reluctant to reach out for help. Yep. Yep. Very true. And I know every time I go to the VA, you know, they, they ask you like intake questions and it's always, you know, about do you, do you are you going to do any harm to yourself or any suicidal thoughts or so? I mean, I mean, they're in many ways doing what they can. Um, you know, we've talked before about community outreach. Yep. It's it's not up to the VA. It's it's up to you know the, the entire community to reach out and, and help provide those resources. And you know, these these various groups and things are where you know people get together and talk and and so. Um, you know, we've been at war for 20 years, so the statistic does not surprise me, Mike. Yeah, and, and uh, that's a, that's probably a sad statement in itself. That you know, it doesn't surprise you. You know, that that's a high concern. I think you hit it right on the head, Lloyd. In that, um, we can't you can't rely on any one organization or even um, the services themselves to address this. This has to be kind of a, to use Tom's term, an all hands on deck. Um, type of response and and sometimes you know there's a lot of success being realized in in this um, particular subject area by just keeping people engaged and it doesn't have to be having an activity and a purpose to get together uh, is seems to be very good at diffusing a lot of those um, feelings that I think I attribute to isolation I think Tom you and I on one of the podcasts that you and I did I think we talked at good length about that right yeah that's right yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess I uh, just wanted to kind of throw it out there. I thought, uh, as Lloyd said, it's not, unfortunately, not surprising that we've now uh, gotten more uh, veterans since 2008 that have taken their own life than, um, than we lost in the entire Vietnam War, which is rather stark. Um, so the last item that I had on there, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, I thought this was really cool, and I want to try and get reach out and talk to these guys. They're right up in Maine. Um, they're associated, I think, with a VFW post. No, it's a Legion. I'm sorry. It was the Legion post in uh, Booth Bay, Maine. And um, what these two guys did is they uh, converted a utility trailer into basically like a small house um, to provide shelter for uh, veterans, homeless veterans. And I'm not sure how exactly they're using it, if they're just placing it somewhere or if it's for a specific purpose. But um, 
I thought it was a really cool idea. I mean, any thoughts on that? It was really cool. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that's a, a, a good use of uh, uh, of equipment, right? I mean, we we talked before about potential veteran housing and what yep. you know what the options were out there, and that that's a that's another good one. Yeah, I know ourselves. We've taken a trailer and uh, and we've not converted it into a homestead type of a thing, but we we take it around. We do the burger burns and. Um, you know, we store all the stuff in there, so it's it's kind of like a, a little deployable type of a, a vent trailer is more a better way to describe ours. Um, what do you think, Tom? You know, it makes me stop and think, realize that you really don't need a whole lot to help these folks out, um, you know, especially ones that are, you know, between homes or, or something like that, that if you can just, you know, put a bathroom in there and, and you know, like, Little, like you said, a little stove or something like that. And of course, up in Maine, you just think about it being cold up there. Right. Something to keep them out of the weather, you know, give them a little bit of heat, um, you know, throw some cots in there and uh, you can help out, you know. And again, we've, we're all used to living in close quarters. So, you, mm-hmm. got, you know, we can all live, you know, you can get a, you know, half a dozen guys and put them in an 18 wheeler, you know, the trailer <laughs> of there. And, and it's true as they've had you know before so <laughs> that's true and it would just be business as usual for most of us right <laughs> yeah. that's true <laughs> no i think just she, park a cadillac outside with showers and uh right yeah i'll go my, oh my god uh, latrines and we're good to go yeah well i don't know most of those showers were overflowing and the latrines weren't functioning so um let's do better here than we did there huh? <laughs> um i think tom you uh my, my, go ahead Good, Lloyd. My, my suggestion has been for a long time is uh, the uh, um, tiny houses. You see them on, you know, HGTV or whatever station my wife subjects me to seven nights a week now that sports <laughs> is so <laughs> But, uh, no, uh, they, they do these tiny houses that are, you know, like 400 square feet or something and yep. uh, with a lot. I mean – they, they, they're fairly inexpensive to build and, and certainly some entrepreneur, uh, you know, so somebody who, you know, wants to give back, I mean, buy a couple of acres of land somewhere and put up a bunch of tiny houses and, and that, that would be great housing for a lot of these vets who are in need. And I want to say, I actually saw an article where that had happened. They'd had a parcel of property and they put a bunch of tiny, tiny houses on it. Um, I don't know if it was temporary or if it was something permanent, but um, if you see the pictures of this trailer, it's basically the same design, only all on one level. Um, Tom, I think you made a really good point when you were talking. It doesn't take a lot to to do something to make a difference, and this is kind of case in point. To yeah, that. yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to look into this uh, this trailer thing and, and uh, learn more about it. It's interesting. I'll shoot to the link. I've got a, it's uh, up in uh, Booth Bay, uh, Maine. And what I would really like to do is find these two guys and get them a call in and we can kind of pick their mind on how they uh, intend to use it. You know, um, I think that's the next interesting piece to this story, but, I, but good on them for uh, taking the initiative and, and, and doing it. And I'll throw on the link in, in the show notes, the link to um, their, their, they'll accept donations and checks. And if anybody's inclined to, to make a donation, I'll, I'll put that right in the show notes as well. Well, this was, was a good show. Uh, do you guys have anything? Lloyd, you got anything else before we kind of wrap it up? No, just uh, reminding everyone, uh, stay healthy, wash your damn hands, and um, you know, <laughs> practice your social distancing, and um, 
you know, stocked up on uh, food and, and beer and wine and whatever else you need. Cause uh, this could be, uh, we could still be talking about this next month. Well, let's hope not, but you're right. We may be Tom. What do you got? No, he's, he's hit all the good points there. Just uh, take care of yourself and, uh, you know, physically and mentally. Of course. Yeah. I think, I think the latter is, is just as important as the physical too. Um, for my part, uh, just so everybody knows, uh, washing my hands was not news to me, but, uh, <laughs> I'll continue to practice as I've been <laughs> going along. Um, this was a veterans assembly podcast. We do this once a month. It's called reaching out. Uh, this month was a big month for us. We had Tom Lloyd and myself all on at the same time. Um, we'll, we'll do it again next month. Hopefully everybody will be available. All right. Thanks guys. We appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thank Mike. You. Take care.